This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, we're proudly supported and powered by theracetalk.com and joining us from theracetalk.com, Richard Crail. G'day to you. Hello, Spex. Nice to hear your voice as we get back to some motor racing after a couple of weeks off. Yes, it's uh, looking forward to what's going to happen uh, at Taylor Bend this weekend. Mark Walker. Also, it was, a long, it was a long pause. You didn't quite know how to go with that. It has no, been it a couple of weeks, sure. though. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, Mark Walker, yeah, good idea. Hi, yeah. Shebexter Crowley. Yes, good to be back motor racing for a change. It was a very tough two weeks, indeed. <laughs> Uh, Tal and Ben, boys, uh, it's sort of the beginning of the end in, in an extent, isn't it? There's uh, only about six or seven rounds to go, and this is sort of where the, the last two sprint rounds happen here in Auckland, and then uh, we're straight to the Enduro. So we're sort of really in the, the back half of the end now, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's a couple of key weekends, and, and there two two things can happen. One... McLaughlin can blow apart and, and have one hand on the cup by the time they get to Bathurst with a, a really strong weekend at the bend, and he always goes well at Pukakaui on home turf. Um, or we, we could see this, this Red Bull racing resurgence continue and some good form from them just continue to apply the pressure and at least keep some intrigue in what's going on in the outright fight. And, then of course, that fight for third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh and, and the bottom half of the top ten, which has been ferociously competitive. The irony about it this year is if you take the two shell fords out of the equation, it's an absolute ding-dong of a championship battle between a, a couple of different teams and some really good drivers. So it's going to be an interesting round. And, and once again, it's unknown territory for the second time in two years at the bend because last year it was still a brand-new racetrack. It had been raced on half a dozen times before the supercar round. Um, we had that famous first practice session where we had a bunch of professional, well-paid racing car drivers looking like year two juniors in go-karts because they were firing off the road so many times, just trying to work out the grip levels of a very difficult racetrack. This year is the first time they go there, of course, with uh, the spring changes and the rule changes to the suspensions for the car this year. So that's going to be another variable that they have to take into account, given that the circuit's now had 12 months worth of racing to rubber up. And the surface is very different to what it was uh, 12 months ago. So lots of uncertainty, lots of interest, and I like that. That's good. Um, and we've seen in the last couple of rounds that the more competitive teams you've got racing, the better the racing generally is. So looking forward to it. Rich, um, anybody? No? Duff? Um, what's the duff levels over there? Like no. Uh, no. It's been solid rain for about three weeks over here. It is as wet as it's ever been. Uh, so if there's dust, I will be very, very surprised. Well, the thing was last year, it really made things lottery. If if someone dropped it ahead of you, cut a corner, sprayed it off, there'd be dirt mm. all over the circuit. So it was an absolute lottery, especially in qualifying. It, you know, you could, if you're sick on the road, you might have a filthy racetrack. But if you're mm. on the road, you might have a clean one again. So... If that's uh, cleaned itself up, that'll take a bit of the mystery out of qualifying and probably give everyone a decent go. The thing was last year with that new track surface, it, it had so much grip that it had everything going for it, no tyre degradation whatsoever. So what you meant is that in the race, everyone was out there just setting qualifying lap after qualifying lap and you had fastest laps 
set on the very last lap of the race. So this year, it'll still be a bit of a mystery out there because everything's changed. You know, they've got an idea now what they sort of need because, I mean, you look last year and their jar team Penske lobbed up there and they had an absolute barrier in more ways than one, you know, putting the wrong drop here and, and all this sort of caper. And they, they just missed the ball anyway on car setup. So they'll have an idea. Triple Eight are on the comeback trail. They've got more of an idea with this single spring that they've got going on, obviously claiming a couple of wins lately. Yeah, game on. Anyone's game, I reckon. No doubt. Game yeah, on. And the, Shebex, the, the interesting thing, and just, just to finish on Mark's point about the the track surface, the, the TCR rounds at the Bend a couple of weeks ago uh, was interesting, and, and they probably didn't take so many liberties, track limits, as supercars tend to do, but um, certainly I mean, if they're taking shortcuts, it will be mud, not dust this year. Um, it's been really damp, and especially down in the southeast, um, which has different weather conditions. They get a lot less rain at Taylor and Ben than they do in Adelaide in the CBD, for example, because it's the other side of the Adelaide Hills. So um, even there, though, it's been very, very damp on the foot side. So if anything, mud and, and water will be a bigger problem than uh, than dust. And that, that place does dry very quickly, though, and it was sort of on and off showers during the TCR weekend, and it, it just dried so quickly. And the other thing, track evolution, uh, pole for qualifying in race 22 last year was a 50.1. Pole for qualifying in race 23 a day later was a 48.6, so 1.6 seconds faster. Um, and they were just as fast in the Sunday race as they were in Saturday qualifying. So it shows you the massive chunks of time that they gained over the course of that weekend. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, weather for this weekend, boys, uh, just uh, backing off what Mark was saying as well. 18 on Friday, 16, uh, so 18 and sunny on Friday, uh, 16 and cloudy on Saturday, and 13 and cloudy on Sunday. So it'll be cold on Sunday, no doubt about that, but no rain. So that's a, that's a massive bonus. Yeah, though, it wouldn't surprise me if you get a shower. It's been really unsettled in South Australia lately, weather wise. And uh, even days that have had no forecast for rain would be light showers. So uh, Sunday could provide a, a bit of precipitation, but you can tell why they've been pushing supercars really hard to, to grab that September enduro slot at the van, can't you? And it hasn't been announced yet, but it's all confirmed. I think the whole industry knows that's what's going to happen mm. um, because the weather in September is the same as, as it is in Melbourne. It's just that 15% better. Um, and a bit more stable and a bit easier to market and sell to spectators, especially when you're going out to a, a paddock, basically, to go and watch the motor racing. So it's interesting to see how that plays out when we come to uh, a calendar chat for next year. Yeah. Well, what's the sprinkling of uh, snow between friends? I think that could really spice things up. Come on, you've had a little bit of that going on, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, it snowed on Sunday in the Adelaide Hills. So that wow. was um, that was something. Mm. That is amazing. Anyway. Hey, uh, boys, we've had uh, a couple of uh, test days since, and I think the drive day up at uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park, and a few teams had a test day at Winton. I think the the major thing to come out of that test day is how the Nissan's going to uh, improve their lot, having uh, had a bit of work done to their aero and the like to uh, to give them a little bit of parity. Thoughts on that? Well. That's going to be one of the big stories, I reckon, for this weekend, boys, because last year the Nissans were very good at this venue, mm. and Caruso qualified third, Rick Kelly fourth for Saturday. Um, they improved their positions, which is rare for a Nissan in supercar racing in the race, and on Saturday, Rick finished second and, um, and Caruso finished third. So 
they they engineered themselves backwards a little bit on Sunday, but they had plenty of car speed all weekend. So for mine, Mark, that's that's going to be one of the more interesting stories because if the Nissan can unload and be fast there again, remember the changes they made to those cars for this year from a uh, an aero balance point of view certainly made it more difficult for them. They've had more changes between rounds. They said after the test day that it's been a, an improvement, they think. Um, if they can unload at the bend and be fast like they were last year, then that has to be a tick that they're going back in that right direction from where they were last year. And they were genuinely competitive last year. I think the thing is that it's still going to be a reasonably wide-open weekend. No one really knows. And the big thing about this layout is that it's such a compromise. You've got such a long straight. You've got fast sweeping corners. You've got hot corners. You've got everything there. It's just a matter of picking that right combination that picks up the time. You know, you're going to have to sacrifice time somewhere, but you've got to minimise your losses and maximise your gains. And for mine, it, it's absolutely wide open to anyone out there with the uh, smartest brain. They'll be the big spin up. Are we expecting to see a massive improvement from any of the back markers, or is it going to be pretty much the same, boys? Uh, yeah, well, good question. Um, uh, there'll be a lot of eyes on Walking Stranger and United to see if, if they've made any progress. And the same could be said for um, for Boost, Boost Mobile Racing for Gary Rogers. And we had Gary on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and they've been working flat out to try and identify their problems as well. But, I mean, there's only 10 spots in the top 10. Um, and right now you can put your house on the fact that two of them will be Shell Fords, two of them will probably be Red Bull Commodores. David Reynolds and maybe Anton Di Pasquale, so there's six, and then three of the four ticket cars, and maybe Nick Perkett. Like, who else do you squeeze in there? The the battle to get into that top ten and that leading sort of ten to a dozen cars is, is ferocious. And if you miss it, you're nineteenth, and you're in a world of nowhere. So, um, yeah, I can't see where it where it comes from. I don't know who makes a grant makes a game because all the teams at the front are doing a really good job and continuing to, to try and stretch their advantage. I mean, Brad Jones was pretty sharp at the bend last year. And they yeah. started the year so strongly, didn't they? And they've sort of just fallen off a little bit in recent times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to back up what they started last year. We need Shebex to get Nick Perkett on the show, because I, I reckon he's one of the drivers of the year. Um, just, just ratcheting up, he's sort of had a mortgage on 7th, 8th or ninth in almost every race. And if you take out of the equation the bonfire in Townsville and the big shunt that they had in Darwin, he's had an outstanding season inside the top 10 in points um, and leading the charge of the teams that are not Shelby Power Racing, Rebel Team or Penrite Erebus Racing. So uh, we, we need to get him on for a chat. I reckon he's got a, a story to tell. Uh-huh. You know what, Rich? I like the ambush sponsorship on his car this weekend. I think that's fantastic. It does look uh, yeah. good. Yeah. So we, we should explain that. So this weekend is the OTR Super Sprint, and OTR is the service station division of the Peregrine Corporation that owns the Ben Motorsport Park. So for the second year in a row, Ray Jones, oh, Kim Jones, who is a guru and continues to find a way to fund his racing cars, um, has gone and landed sponsorship from one of their direct service station rivals in South Australia. That's fantastic. Fantastic. All's fair in love and war, boys. 
well, and in sponsorship, and as it turns out, exactly. it's pretty hard to get. Richie, Richie Stanaway, uh, a comeback of sort in the S5000 test uh, at Winton last week. Uh, he's come up and said, I'm fully fit now, ready to drive supercars again. Are we 100% certain that he's going to be driving this weekend at uh, the Bend? Yeah, I, I think we are. Um, they, they're running out of potential co-drivers to put into that car that aren't going to be doing enduros for either that team or another team. So, uh, and the the other thing is we've got a co-driver cup race uh, on Friday, and I, I say that meaning the, the enduro driver session on Friday. So, um, no, he'll, he'll be in the car. He has to be in the car. He has to get back in, surely, um, with enduros coming up, jumping straight into Bathurst. He, he needs to get miles and, and get that team in the direction again. Is it something uh, for Stanaway, Mark, that uh, this is – this is pretty much showtime for him now. If he doesn't make a major performance in the next four or five race meetings, that could be uh, a seat done. Well, don't forget he's there because of the Boost Mobile sponsorships. Yep. So, I mean, that's all up in the air. That's up to Boost Mobile who they want to have there. So, uh, yep, interesting times. And, I mean, what does Boost Mobile want to do next year? Do they want to stay? Do they want to do something else? Are they going to go elsewhere? So, um I think a lot will play out in this silly season. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Gary Rogers did say to us, didn't he, uh, Richard, that it was very much a, a commercial uh, reason as to why uh, things changed with Garth Tander, meaning the Boost Mobile, and uh, things changed based on that. Yeah, well, we, we all know that. That's the commercial world that we live in, and you've got to find a way to pay to run these racing cars. And if the sponsor says we want driver XYZ, then it's hard to say no, uh, especially when he's got a CV that, that indicates that he should be pretty capable. Um, just hasn't really delivered that so far, but but he'll be aware of that. But at the same time, to be perfectly fair, he hasn't had the machinery to do it either. Because if he did, uh, James Golding would be much further up the field than he is as well. So yeah, look, it's um, it, it's a it's a combination of factors. But yeah, he, he just needs laps now, surely, and get comfy in the car logs and seat time and then you know the enduros are races that GRM traditionally have a pretty good run at and you know if they can roll out there and jag themselves a top 10 finish on strategy with some smart calls then then all of a sudden the season doesn't look so terrible so they need to build towards that I think because I just I don't know where they find raw pace to go and race with these guys um, they need the longer distance stuff I think more than anybody perhaps to, to try yeah. and salvage the season smart well, Rich, the, the thing is with that team is that they've got two young drivers who don't necessarily have a lot of experience in setting these cars up. You know, back mm. in the day, you'd have multiple test days a year. Right back in the day, you'd have unlimited test days. These days, they've probably had one or two test days to sort their stuff out. And you've got two young drivers who might not necessarily know how to dig their way out of a hole, especially with the wholesale changes this year with the single spring. Do you think mm. things would have been different there with a Garth Tander spec driver of that experience able to sort of dig them out of the hole? Yep. Yeah, I do. 100%. That, like, that guy's got 20 years of experience driving these cars. So he's been through regulation changes. He was through the change from uh, from old school group A regs to, to project blueprint, then to the car of the future and, and everything that's happened since. So, yeah, un- unquestionably. But uh, like we said, I mean, when the change is, is brought upon you, uh, that's that's what the way you've got to go if it means keeping the doors open and all your staffing points. So, 
Uh, you make some sacrifices to keep racing, but part of that sacrifice in the end was uh, a bit of performance in that respect. Undoubtedly the most successful uh, motor racing team in supercars in modern times that have to be Triple Eight Racing. They knock up their 500th race on the weekend at uh, the Bend. Yeah, it's a big milestone, isn't it? And, I mean, they've been the benchmark for more than a decade in the sport. So um, it's ironic that it comes at a venue where last year they were just about unbeatable. Um, They topped every session. Shane won on Saturday. Jamie won on Sunday. It was an absolute beatdown by that team for everybody. And and it it should be worth mentioning that last year, this was arguably the worst round for for DJR Team Penske. So... That, that's going to be really fascinating to see how they rebound from, from struggles at this circuit last year. And Mark touched on their issues earlier. But yeah, look, great story. So much has been written and discussed and said about Triple Eight that there's not much more of intelligence that I can add. But uh, other than it's a great milestone um, and, and they're in a different phase of, of their history as a race team now in, in showing their fight and their ability to engineer themselves back to the front of the field after a really challenging start of the season. And we, I'm, I'm pretty certain we all spoke at the start of the year saying after we knew that they were struggling, going, this was going to be one of the great stories. And yeah. them rebounding to competitiveness has been a really good story and, and great to watch. So um, it puts the team in a different light because they're not dominating, but I like it. It's good to see good to see that different side of, of that team over 500 races. And they'll be good at Bathurst and they've got the car drivers, haven't they? And I'll tell you what, something to keep an eye out. Now that you've brought this up and mentioned it, I think I'm going to have to dig out the Throwback Thursday gallery. I've actually uncovered from 2004 their launch as a standalone team, not just a, a rebranded mm. uh, John Briggs Motorsport. Uh, wow. Uh, Radisich, Max Wilson, and Young Roland. It's uh, quite special. So we'll have to keep an eye out on that in the coming weeks. Wow. Very That's much. Cool. Very Max much. Wilson, Max, Wilson was, Max Wilson was terrific. Uh, I, I remember interviewing him for Community Radio when we covered the Adelaide 500, and uh, and he was great. And it was it was Max Wilson who coined the Super V8. Was you know I really like driving <laughs> these Super V8s. They're great fun. And everyone just wanders around the paddock calling them Super V8s now. But it's um yeah, look, I mean they've got a great history, don't they? And and more than a decade's worth of of facts and figures and and history to draw on, and so much success. So. You, you could definitely write a book about the stuff that, that TH's done. Oh, the, it's amazing. You go into their workshop and every wall is now covered in trophies. Like they're going yeah. to have to extend the workshop just to put trophies in it. It is absolutely incredible. Well, of those 499 starts to date, they've had 187 wins, race wins, 124 pole positions, seven Bathurst 1000 victories, eight driver championships, nine team championships, and have made uh, a change from Ford to Holden as well. So a fair bit has happened in that time, and I must say too, that was the worst Brazilian impersonation I've ever heard from you, Richard. Yeah, look, I make no bones about the fact that it was terrible, Chebex. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Can I not for that? But it was, <laughs> I think it was uh, factual. It, you, you laughed. It was factual. Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. No, uh, Max, Max, Max was a great character. It was oh, terrific. No. Yes, I just don't know whether you can impersonate him. That's all. Super V8, you know. Give us a tip for the weekend, boys, before we move on to other things. Uh, uh, oh, look, uh, I, I reckon I reckon that it'll be a really good battle, and I, I think the Red Bull cars will be right at the very front, but I'm, I'm not going to tip against 17. Um, 
It just with, with everything that they continue to do, they continue to impress and be such a great race team with such a great racing driver leading the charge. Um, they're still the best package. So I, I think McLaughlin ends the weekend comfortably on top, but I, I think he'll face great pressure from Van Gisbergen and Win Cup. Um, but but I'll, I'll throw a Nissan into the mix. I'll throw Andre Heimgarten yeah, onto the podium, I reckon, because he was really good at Phillip Island. And if there's a similar style circuit to what we've got at the bend, I reckon it's Phillip Island, fast and flowing, long-loaded corners. He was really good there earlier in the year. Um, if they nail their setup on Friday and get the car quick, I, I reckon Andre on the podium in one of the races, and, and that would be a huge result for that team. I reckon that the Bureau of Meteorology will get the forecast wrong. It won't be 13 degrees on Sunday. It'll be about minus three, and there'll be black ice develop on the warm-up <laughs> lap, and everyone's going to spray it. Oh, strange things have happened. Yeah. It's not Sandown. Like, that's a Sandown 500 thing, isn't it? Oh, well, not, no, you'd be not in November. For a fence repair. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, November will be bright and sunny, but there's been 500 mile races, 500 mile, 500k races in Sandown where it's been the slipperiest thing. Yeah, well, the difference is that you're not going to hit a fence in the bend unless you do it on the straight. So you can have a big accident and it'll go on for a long time because you're not going <laughs> to hit anything to stop it. Hey, uh, what about, boys, some uh, amazing news coming through in the last few days as well, and we should cover off on it also. In the space of a, a four-week period, we're going to have a, a Formula One champion and a couple of IndyCar champions hit our shores here in Australia. Let's look at the IndyCar champions first as we're talking supercars and Hinchcliffe and Rossi driving at Bathurst. That is an amazing guess. Yeah, it's good. It, it, it got... A lot of love. It got more love than I thought it would get. And we ran a poll on the race talk uh, asking what was the more significant announcement. Was the more significant announcement, and that happened in typical motorsport fashion within half an hour of each other uh, early in the morning, what, Thursday a week ago. Um, what was more significant? Those two signing up for, for a Bathurst wildcard, or Rubens Barrichello, 11-time Grand Prix winner, uh, committing to race S5000 at the bend. Um, and and I think the Andretti, Andretti wildcard won it. So it's a great announcement, good for the sport, um, and, and love love seeing guys like that come down. You know, Rossi's won the Indy 500. He's been a, a consistent Indy car front runner for the last three years and, and, and a legitimate title contender against the likes of Scott Dixon's and Will Powers of the world. And Until he got started on the weekend. Well, he did get started on the back straight with Pocono for sure, and it's probably killed his championship chances like he didn't kill him. Uh, but Hinchcliffe is a laid-back, funny Canadian who's brilliant on social media, brilliant in the media full stop, and has got a great following, and he's a, a good steerer as well. So it's a Indy really good champion, package. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's not He's not won the championship. No. Oh, okay. No, won, won plenty of races, but never, yep. never won the championship yet. But no, it's great, and and yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we see a Team Penske wildcard next year with a couple of their IndyCar drivers, and then Chip Ganassi buys into somebody and brings Scotty Dixon down? I don't know, that'd be really cool. I mean, looking at the wildcard stuff, you look back at 2013 when Triple H, the gun team, they had form. They brought it was Extra and Prio over. Is that right? Yep. Yep. They yep. almost won it. So, uh, and. Ludo trimmed that thing out ridiculously. It was a jet in a straight line. They almost won the thing if it wasn't for that late field stop. So and they still mm. finished in the top 10. So 
that's sort of the yardstick. I think they're up against it because, I mean, those were two tin-top aces and they were yeah. relatively used to this style of racing, I guess, more than IndyCar. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go. I mean, they're capable of easily running there in the top 15 if they just stay out of trouble. Yeah, and, and look, both have been running running IMSA competition in, in GT and sports cars, so they'll be okay for adapting one way to the other. And, and Hinchcliffe raced in the in the supercars on the Gold Coast for a couple of those international events as well, so he knows how to drive them. The, the, the fact is WAU and the fact that they've had such a terrible season, but that's a team that always brings their A-game to Bathurst, and they've always yep. had great runs there. They've had a huge amount of podiums during the last couple of years. So you, you feel like, irrespective of current form, they're going to be okay come the Bathurst 1000. So, yeah, it's a really interesting story. It's uh, it's obviously a lot easier bringing those blokes into our environment over here in Australia. I'm just wondering, obviously it's not going to be as easy to acclimatise our drivers into the American environment in the future as well. I don't think that there's going to be straight swapping happening any time real soon, is there? No, and look, Mark's probably more qualified to answer this than I am because he, he spent some time with, uh, with old Marcus Ambrose and his NASCAR stuff. But um, no, look, and, and you, you're not, you can't do like for like unless Andretti gets an IMSA program up and running and slides one of their WAU drivers into, into that. Or Zach Brown does that with McLaren and or United Autosport um, because of his role within that team. So the opportunities... Uh, are harder for that, and, and Michael Andretti is not going to roll out an Indy car for James Courtney one weekend randomly because that's just outrageous. But mm. um, but the potential's there, and, and you know we've already seen it teased a little bit with Penske with with the NASCAR stuff with Scotty on the Gold Coast last year, which was so cool, and and then the potential that he'll end up over there at some point and be on the pathway. So it, it certainly works with them coming to us because we. We've got the product and we've got this two-driver format that works really well where you can parachute these guys in by adding another car. Does Andretti still have a cross team? Yeah, he does. Yep. Send him. Send him. Bump, stop speed. I think Tanner Faust is the driver as well. Actually, Scott Speed broke his back in an accident on the okay. weekend. Sort in of. Utah. So you could, I reckon, I reckon Scott I'd be a decent rallycross driver. I don't know why I'd say that, but he'd go okay. Hmm. Send him over. Yeah, why not? Why send, not? Them, send them all over. Just a thought. The other one, Shebeck, you were going to talk about was Rubens. Yeah, Rubens Barrichello, exactly. Uh, it's an amazing get for the S5000, their first race, of course, at Sandown in a few weeks' time. Just such a great name. Yeah, I'm excited about that. But then I'm an open-wheel tragic and probably blind to the fact that it's very, very difficult to make open-wheelers work here. But... Uh, yeah, really exciting. I'm keen to see him race, watching him in the Australian Grand Prix. He's always a fan. He's a terrific driver, huge amount of experience. And even though he hasn't raced the Indy car, uh, an Indy car or a Formula 1 car since 2012, um, he's been keeping his hands and eye in with the Brazilian stock car stuff, which is pretty ridiculous racing. If you ask Mark Winterbottom, he's been over there. Um, it's a cool get. It's a great name. It's a name that resonates outside of real hardcore motor racing fans as well. Especially in Melbourne, Chebex, as you know, yeah. sports mad. I love the Grand Prix. And Barrichello is a name that the Herald Sun will pay attention to, that the news networks there might just pick up on because he was on the podium at Albert Park. So it's a pretty canny signing. Um, it's only one. So a month out, they've only got one driver locked in. So it remains to be seen 
who he races against, but they'll they'll put a grid on. That that's going to be a, a proper race meeting. That. that I'm really really looking forward to stand down. Well, don't forget, Rich, that the people behind S5000 and the people who've brought TCR here and they've made TCR yeah. work and they're going to make S5000 work. So watch this space, but it'll be interesting to see what other sort of big name Australian drivers, the, the big name locals that they get uh, signed in there because I think there'll be a fair bit of interest. You know, we saw Todd Kelly up there having a test drive recently. I'm not saying that TK is going to have a skid, but uh, it'll be mm. interesting to see who else comes out of the woodworks. TK drove that thing pretty well at Queensland Raceway. Uh, fortunate enough to stand on the fence and watch him drive it and, and sort of brought back his Formula Holden memories from, what was it, 1998, a while ago. Um, yeah, and that's, that's key. I mean, I'm, I'm parochial because uh, we've, we've worked with him for a long time, but I hope Tim Macro gets to drive because he's done all of the development work on that car now for 18 months. And um, I know it would be chomping at the bit to... Uh, to beat Rubens Barrichello, but, but he won't sell tickets in the same way that a supercar driver will or um, some other international Aussies that will drive, uh, that, that could drive and could bring people through. Um, you'd like to think that a Mark Weber would have a crack, but I don't think Aussie Mark's keen to drive anything anymore these days except the digital the beats around him. So, um, yeah, look, it's going to be cool. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who rocks up and, and joins the fun. But uh, I'll be there standing on the fence looking like a uh, five-year-old in a candy shop. Yeah. Or, or yeah. a Richard in a candy shop. candy shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Very much looking forward to it. Final one, boys, before we let you go. E-Series. It seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Each week we see new teams coming in. I think Triple Eight now have announced that they've got an E-Series team involved as well. How big is this thing going to get? Well, I don't know. It, like they're selling franchises for a like. Is it is, now? This I, I have no idea about this stuff, Chebec. But it, I think it's like a fortnight league. Yep. So they must run it every two weeks or something. I don't know. But no, I think um, well, they 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 might be in the game fortnight by that. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, um. But they. they they're selling franchise spots to compete to teams for hundreds to thousands of dollars. Yep. So clearly there is a commercial viability in this esports thing somewhere along the line. Um, I just don't know how you make it work and how you balance that with existing motor racing. We saw Supercars do their E-Series last year and they had a, a full production and they had Chad hosting a TV package with some esports guys and some racing drivers in there as well and they had prizes up for grabs. Um, they've had competitions at Bathurst before that have been sponsored by Xbox or PlayStation and they've been quite successful. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know where it sits. I honestly don't have a read on it. Um, I, I can tell you that the, uh, the, the media esports Grand Prix that's, that's starting to fire up, the couple of members of the local media is pretty feisty. Um, but outside of that, don't have, uh, don't have a, a lot of knowledge or background on it, Shebex. Hmm. Maybe. We can expand on that in the show, and maybe we need to get someone from the esports world on, and and they can tell us why it's going to work. What a great Rich, idea! Last last Tuesday night, I was in bed trying to sleep. You know when you just whip your phone out and you you have a scroll before you fall asleep, and the Tuesday night special came out, and I think a bit's been said about this now. It's got Scott McLaughlin and all these other gurus in there racing in i racing at yeah. different tracks and whatnot, and it came up. Oh yeah, I think I'll watch this. And it, I was captivated. I loved it. Mm. It was great. It was 
there were dudes just shunting and crashing and sending it up the inside, and it was really good entertainment. It was, you know, computer game, but I enjoyed it. So that that yeah. really opened my eyes. Like I didn't expect to be sitting there for an hour and not sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's let's get a I, bit more information on it. And, yeah, I think we went in an esports special on the grid, on the virtual grid, Shebex. Yes, on the virtual grid, we'll call it. <laughs> Tra- trademark that. Done. Uh, hey, boys, always great to catch up with you. Enjoy the weekend at uh, the Bend. Yeah, no, it should be good. Uh, looking forward to that big weekend of racing as well. Um, I'll just get a quick plug in for our mates at Truck Assist and uh, we gave away our prize pack oh, that yes. we promoted last week. We had a, a fantastic response to that, more than 200 entries to that's that competition um, and a couple of uh, very lucky gentlemen, uh, Gary and Kyle, they were, were the winners of that. So they've got their passes in the mail and their merch as well and they'll get a, a pit walk and a grid tour. So Thanks to our mate at Truck Assist for that and keep an eye on the racetalk.com because we've got more uh, more coming your way over the next couple of months building up to the season finale, some more cool stuff. So well done to those guys and thanks very much to everyone who entered. Yeah, and thanks very much to Truck Assist for their uh, support of the racetalk.com and also this program here on The Grid. Guys, we'll catch you again uh, soon and uh, wrap up next week what should be a very, yeah, very exciting weekend. Bring it on. Now- So there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us. A full wrap of The Bend next week when you join us here on The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com.